0: This is the Squared Co. Podcast, with Mark Morris and
1: Jared Maruyama.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Morris, and with me again... Mr. Jared Maruyama. Ah, nice. Jared, nice. No pause. I don't pause. think that no I've actually heard you say your own last name. Uh, I want to, like, how close or far off am I every time no, I say I think
3: it? No, I think you're right. I mean, you know, it, there's some rolling- Mary,
2: Mary, mary Opposite, backwards. You're going back cold,
3: <laughs> freezing. Um, All Japanese names, Mar- you take Mayor. it uh, syllable by syllable. That's all you got to do. Ma-ru-ya-ma.
2: So it's not ma no, ma. Ah, all right, now I'm just messing with you. You can roll the um, R's too if you want to get real fancy. <laughs> I um, okay. Before we actually start talking about this episode, I just it, this just happened, and I wanted to share this with you. Oh. So right down the street from our house, mm-hmm. they opened the Amazon I, uh, Fresh.
3: Yes, I think is what it's called. This is how little I leave my house. Uh, so when I, I was driving <laughs> out and uh, leaving town, and then I I saw that I'm like. <gasps> I had no idea, and I didn't know if it was open yet or, I ac- or what the place so was. So I
2: heard about it, like, a year ago, maybe, because that, that little corner of the shopping center has been vacant for, like, for years. What was it before? Um, it was a... Uh, F- not Toys R-, Babies R Us. It was oh, Babies R Us. Okay. I know it was a which big I think, store. Yeah. So Babies R Us went out of business before Toys R Us, and then, obviously, all the Toys R Us shut down, so, like... It, it's been vacant before the Toys R Us, which is a year or two At now, least. right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So the um that that area has been vacant for a while, and they had talked about Amazon had purchased it uh, a few years ago, or I don't know, they announced it like a year ago. So I knew about it, but it just opened recently, and so it is open, open so now. F- yeah, okay. It's basically it's a Whole Foods, like which is funny because. Amazon also owns Whole Foods. Right, right, right. right. So well, I imagine like, it's just like a...
3: Yeah, that's what I... they are
2: almost... It's almost like a direct competition of each other. Well, Sprouts For Across
3: this, the Street probably isn't happy, but... Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, this one in particular is smaller than most Whole, whole Foods that mm-hmm. I've been to. Uh, so it's more the like a traditional size of a, a normal supermarket. So like an Albertsons or a Ralph's. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that is cool that I did not get to experience, you can get a smart cart mm-hmm. that like it knows what items you put in your cart. So if you, if you link the cart to your Amazon account, you can technically just walk out with the cart right. and it'll charge you accordingly. That was um, my next
3: question. So these are stores that they've been testing for a while now. They have them in like airports and things like that, where you just literally grab stuff off the shelf and walk out and it's supposed to track Uh, what you have so i was wondering if that was going to be the case which i assumed it would why else would they go into the grocery business other than Mm -hmm. just taking a whole foods and renaming it um did you go say
2: i will yes i will say if if you do go and there is a line i found a workaround for the line weird so so there's (laughs) because it's an amazon thing like this is just coincidentally i purchased something on Amazon, and they sent me the wrong item, so I had to do a return. Uh, and, you know, going to the post office or UPS is always annoying and a hassle, or printing out the shipping to terrifying. do the return. yeah. So you can go to this Amazon Fresh, and yes. there's a section in the back that has, like, the lockers, so you could do even quicker than, like, two-day Prime shipping. It'll be next day if you go to these lockers. Oh. They have a little station in the corner there, and you can also do returns. So I... You can walk to the front of the line. It's like, oh, I just have to do a return. And you go all the way to the back of the store. And then once you're done, you're in the store. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll just do some grocery shopping while I'm in here.
3: Ooh, seems a a stupid um, oversight if that's really the case, right? (laughs) (laughs) um, But you actually did have a return.
2: Yeah, it was it was like a legit return. It yeah. wasn't like I just had a an empty box. So in the my lockers,
3: hand. though, you can say uh, instead of shipping it to you, just have it shipped to one of these lockers and go get it when it's
2: correct. Ah, yeah.
3: Okay. Okay. So interesting.
2: I'm sure it's it's somewhat limited to like yeah, right. You know, with Amazon, there's third party right, um, right. sellers. It have to be something from Amazon. Amazon.
3: I'm I'm strangely very excited about this. I, I got really giddy seeing it, and um, I kept meaning to ask you because I knew you'd be all treasure trucked about it. So um, <laughs> I, I, I will say I don't
2: know. I don't want to say it's underwhelming, but it, it is pretty much what it I just described. It is a. Uh, Amazon's version of a supermarket. But so, is it
3: limited as far as its selection, would you say? Or would you not say... Not
2: that I could tell. Like, So it just I feels grocery store. Like yeah, a- I picked up some new seasonal popcorns that I have for you as well. <laughs> um, so it's not... I mean, it's very comparable to a ralph's i'd say or like a albertson is
3: it um supposed to be kind of fancy in there is it supposed to be like oh kind of gourmet
2: uh because it's new it's very clean yeah but i mean i think it's been open a month like less than a month i feel like it opened this month isn't
3: that amazing it is literally minutes like like minutes from our our houses Mm -hmm. and we're not even aware of that it's open. Um, well, the, is it, is it like a butcher and, and all that stuff? Like oh, bakery? they do have,
2: yeah, they do have, uh, similar to whole foods. You know, they have food that you can like buy for dinner. Like yeah. that's already ma- pre-made made and yeah. ready to go. Okay. They had a little pizza area. They right. had sandwiches. They very had whole foods. They yeah. have, um, not a butcher. What's
3: the, just a meat counter. So deli counter. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't, I feel like there's another word for that, but yeah, a butchered meat counter. But yeah, it seems the big gimmick is the shopping cart. So I think they're limited to how many of these those like interactive carts they have. Oh. So you can get a traditional cart where you just load it up and then there's actual cashiers. Or you can do the... The fancy one where you link your account to the cart.
3: Without the cart, uh, we're going on and on about this. But without the cart <laughs> aspect, though, uh, do you would you find yourself uh, going here specifically, other than say you had an Amazon return and thought, "Well, I'll just go grab some things." From um,
2: there. so because you're a like Trader 90, Joe's guy, which is yeah, a big I was going to say like ninety percent of my grocery shopping currently is done at Trader Joe's. Right, right. I would say that this might. Increase my other shop, like grocery shopping hmm. uh, visits, I guess. So, like, that might s- drop down to like 75% now because I want to go to the Amazon's uh, grocery did store. Did you notice
3: pricing being uh, more expensive, or like Whole Foods is a little on the expensive side, I think?
2: The big thing that I did notice were like drinks. So, I like kombucha, mm-hmm. and those go like for a single bottle. Uh, like a single serving bottle it's like three to four dollars i found the same brand that i normally get that is three to four was like 268 so it's i mean it's not a huge difference but it's about a dollar which is pretty significant for a single serving drink it was cheaper
3: at at amazon correct yeah yeah amazon was
2: cheaper because that's what
3: i always think amazon would i always think amazon would be more like a walmart or a costco than uh than Mm -hmm. a fancy store like it would be like bulk or like cheaper prices to make you want to come there yeah. instead of the regular grocery store.
2: I mean, I'd have to do like a pretty deep comparison yeah, to yeah, yeah. see. Well, but, um, I'm sure it'll just be just online. casually. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Interesting. Well, that of course brings us right to freelance. Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, of course. So this is a, uh, since our re re Reboot, brand or reboot, yeah, whatever you want to call it. This time around, we again went to our friend Cole Roberts to be our first guest back in this updated format, I guess. And today, we're talking about freelance. Yes. And I, this is so interesting to me because, and we kind of talked about this after we stopped recording, but the conversation went in directions I think both of us, I don't want to say like weren't expecting or was sort of um, a surprise. But I definitely had ideas of topics we're going to cover and things we're going to talk about. And the conversation just kind of took control and went in its own directions. So I think that we could do something like this more regularly. And there's always going to be sort of new content and new topics, to cover even like specifically talking about freelance. It's just going to go in so many different directions.
3: Well, what's nice about it being Cole too, is that we know him and we've talked to him before and we can sort of hit the ground running when he comes on the show and there's not, I mean, even the fact that we know him so well makes it like a lot of the formalities are out of the way. We don't have to feel Mm -hmm. like we have to make him comfortable before we dive right in and, and he's more forthcoming with the information too so it's a good conversation it's a little scattered uh i i wish i you know looking back on it now i think i wish we had sort of structured it more because it's all very interesting stuff i think but i think we we missed some points that um that but we can well, cover f- that in future definitely in future yeah i was episodes. gonna say
2: i feel like that's the one thing that i would try and do in the future is like Instead of, so I try to make it kind of a roundtable discussion where we Mm -hmm. just have freelance and like it's freelance in itself, although it might seem like a pretty pointed, um, like topic of discussion, it's very broad. So we can have an entire episode about just doing the back end of freelance, which we do talk about in this episode. Uh, We could do an episode about just keeping up with clients and trying to drum up new information or new clients we can do a whole episode on just the process like there's a lot of different pieces yep. within the freelance topic that we can focus on but i will say i do appreciate every time that we have cole on uh and this was no exception he is a really fun guy to talk to and it's um he definitely has a different perspective on this stuff than i think either you and i would
3: you right Yeah, for sure. But I think that the we should just get to it. (laughs) I I have yeah. Let's just get to it. We're gonna talk to you again on the other side of this conversation. So stay, stick around after we end the conversation. Okay. Um, But we'll get to the interview. Yeah.
2: That'll be the last thing. So here is our conversation with Cole Roberts about freelance. But don't worry, we've got some Mandalorian, of course, on the other side of that conversation. So stick around. But now, here's our conversation on Freelance with Cole. All right. Thank you for joining us today, Cole. It's nice to have you back on to the Squared Co. podcast yet again.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Always, always a pleasure. It's good to be back. I love being on the Squared Co. show. (laughs) that's great we like
2: to use you as i always say and we are just kind of poking fun at you earlier before we started recording you are a little guinea pig (laughs) you and it's usually we have mike on but this time we have just you cole you are anytime we want to try something new within the squared code podcast for some reason for better or worse you are my go-to so again i appreciate that um he
3: called and- you little guinea pig this time. You're
1: little. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, that, I'll take it as a compliment. I okay. mean being called little after 2020 COVID shut in, that, that sounds good to me. <laughs> okay, good, good. Just check. Yeah, I
2: definitely, definitely meant it as a compliment. <laughs> um, but like I said, that you are I don't know, what is this, your fourth time being on the podcast? Oh, so it's probably been more than that. Yeah, I was gonna say it feels I- let's like go with seven. Yeah. <laughs> so if you aren't familiar with Cole, we definitely have a nice back catalog that you can go revisit and catch up with uh, his, his background. We're not going to do a, our typical interview here. We're going to do something a little bit different today and talk about uh, freelance, I guess. So right now, Jared, yeah. myself and Cole are all living that creative freestyle life. Freestyle. Freelance. <laughs> wouldn't it, wouldn't freelance. Freelance. I wouldn't it be I was great, though, if we had listeners that
3: knew how many times Cole was on? Like, if we had such <laughs> avid listeners, like a oh, Star that would Wars be great. fan, and they're, they're like, like, technically, it was four and a half, because the <laughs> Reptar bar episode never actually made it to air. So. Oh, oh, that's right. This is yeah.
2: great. Is This this is a new thing. We're going to get a new voice from Jared every episode. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> keep working on your characters i got i got a whole library of them oh my god this is fantastic
3: yeah and then for video i'll start doing puppets yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) so good all right so for those of you listening if you aren't familiar with our backgrounds i wanted to start off by having each of us talk a little bit about our origins into the freelance uh life for lack of a better term so I know I talked about this most recently because I am, of the three of us, I started in freelance the, I don't know, I, the shortest research. freelance. Most recent, yeah, yeah, shortest mm-hmm. f- freelance career. So earlier this year, obviously everybody's familiar with COVID and how that's impacted a lot of different <laughs> industries. I've heard it. I familiar was part of some COVID layoffs at my former job, which kind of pushed me into freelance without a choice, really. And then luckily over the summer, I was fortunate to pick up a handful of different clients. And since then, I've been just doing a lot of design and illustration freelance work. Um, but it's somewhat similar to Jared's background, which he's also shared a number of times on the podcast. But Jared, why don't you tell us the quick version of your freelance Start
3: The quick version is about an hour and a half. So everybody settle in. (laughs) It's a good story, but it takes uh, same thing as Mark. I was let go of my uh, previous uh, like my my office job as an art director. um, And it was a it was a tough time. It wasn't like what we're having now, but I don't think anything's been like what we're having now. Um, But Mm -hmm. it was a difficult time. So uh, I just did freelance gigs and basically took whatever I could get until I could try to find another job. The goal was always to find another office job. Um, but I thought in the meantime, I might as well do freelance. Um, so that's how I fell into it. It took a long time to make it sort of a sustainable career uh, option. But um, that's how I ended up in it. I, I never had dreamt of going into freelance. So
2: At what point did you like realize that you could maintain a freelance life? I know you said that it took a while. But was there a moment when you kind of stopped panicking and just felt that this is where you're supposed to be?
3: Um I say this every time. The panic never goes away. You just learn to <laughs> deal with it like a terrible roommate or something. Like you know, <laughs> it's always there though. You know. Um, yeah. So really, that that's the case. I I took a lot of uh, long term contracts that were very similar to the job I did previously. So it'd be like months on end, sometimes a year in a contract, but it was still kind of freelance because I was never hired. That made mm-hmm. it easy to sort of transition into this uh, this next thing. So then there would be. Um, time between contracts where I just do freelance and things like that. Um, and so it just sort of slowly built until I could just focus on my freelance projects and not take these long-term contracts uh, anymore. So again, it was a very slow transition and all the time I thought I was going to go back to the
1: office. What year uh, What year was that? Like how many years have you been in freelance, Jerry? This was the early 1800s. Uh, <laughs> I remember those. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, let's see. I went freelance probably full time around 2000, oh gosh, that's hard. Maybe six-ish mm. um, when I started doing. Now I wasn't making that doesn't mean I made great money. That just means that I wasn't <laughs> doing other things. So I was still doing the contracts and things like that. Um, I would say maybe 2000 probably around 2010 is when I'm really doing
1: this like uh, full time. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to make that good money you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, freelance is something I, I reluctantly did to myself. Um, I don't, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I've kind of always wanted to go freelance. I think that was originally my plan um, all along to some degree. Mm. So I graduated from college and um, immediately had gotten a job um, in the publishing industry. And um, I was basically just laying out books, like laying mm. out the text. Super fun, really rewarding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I did that. Um, I did that for a couple of years. It kind of in, in the job I was at, it tra- like six months. I did books, and then um, I went to a department that kind of had a music imprint, and so I was mm. doing uh, album covers for ah. uh, probably about a year. And then I had tried to start a. Um, and a magazine that was like a primarily online uh, magazine with that company as a way to help um, promote some of the authors and the music acts that were signing with the team and so when I had left I had left because I wanted to move to Nashville I was dating someone here and she's now my wife and so I moved to Nashville and I took the first job that was available and and I say that um, the job I got was the one I wanted, which was really kind of crazy. Um, There was a design firm here that I applied for and I really wanted it. And, uh, you know, everything worked out to where I got it. I was there for seven years. And right before I took that job, I remember distinctly, um, I was very burnt out from my first job out of college. Um, I worked with, for two years straight, I I worked with um, 20 different clients a month. It was exhausting. And it was one of those entry level You don't really know better. You're like, oh my God, yeah, this is a job. This is great and I'm getting money. And you know, the pay kind of sucked and the amount of people I had to work with a month just did not add up. And so two Mm. years of that, you kind of come out feeling fried. And I was a couple months without a job and I had had this idea of like, you know, I'm seeing people on the internet make a living by drawing. I haven't drawn in a while, so maybe I'll start drawing again. And so I started doing that and there was kind of this moment where I was like, you know, I've gotten any calls, callbacks yet for jobs maybe I'll just go freelance. And that's when I got a call from a job. And so, um, I love that idea so much that I always kept it as like, well, this is what I'm going to do maybe in a year or two. Hmm. And I just made it a point to work on my craft every single day. I'd work on my lunch breaks. I'd work, um, after work, I'd work on the weekends. And this was all before marriage and kids when you could do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we had my we had our first kid in twenty seventeen and I kind of found myself struggling with okay, do I want to stay at this job that I'm here for you know eight to nine hours a day and come home and feel like I need to freelance because at this point I was doing more freelance work on the side, so which was great because we needed the extra income with having a kid, but I was not I was never able to see her. And so I thought, well, maybe I quit, maybe I just put Myself out there as a full time freelancer, and maybe this will work out. And uh, here we are in 2020, and I'm still wondering if this is going to work out. But <laughs> <laughs> that is a,
2: a lesson that I learned extremely quickly. So I've only been doing yeah. this for five or six months, but already I've had and noticed extreme highs and extreme lows. Yeah. It is, it is overwhelming at times and almost always terrifying. But like Jared was saying, it's kind of something that. I'm hoping I learn to deal with at some point and either like plan the right way the highs to last through the lows, uh, but it's definitely a little bit of a jarring experience to when you're first starting out.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to believe that. <sighs> you know, you you can listen to a lot of podcasts and listen to a lot of people who will have really great advice on what to do before going freelance Mm -hmm. and (laughs) they're all, it's all good advice. But the thing I, when I was much younger, I used to think, Oh, I'll get married when I have enough money Mm -hmm. or, Oh, we'll, we'll have kids when we pay off this much debt. And what you realize is that's never up to you. It happens when it happens and you're not actually as prepared as you think you are. And Mm -hmm. so freelance was really the same way where when I went freelance, I thought, well, Before I quit my job, I'm going to have all this money in the bank. I'm going to have these really nice clients lined up. And basically, I'll tip my hat to my boss, shake his hand, and I'll (laughs) leave. And um, I'll just come sit in my office, and uh, I'll make a lot of money. And (laughs) the reality of it is, is like, I never got to that point. And in fact, I I just kind of quit. You know, like, I don't think they saw it coming. And I certainly didn't see it. It was kind of one of those things where, and this is really stupid. I'll I'll never forget it. But (laughs) We had just enough money to get through another month of all of our bills. Um, And I thought, well, maybe I should quit now. And and that way it won't feel like, you know, maybe I'll have more time to make make more money. I don't know. Like if I I wait too long, the savings will be gone. So since we have savings, I'll quit Mm -hmm. this job now. And maybe, you know, maybe I can transition into it. And um, yeah, that's what I did. And um, it didn't work out too well. But um, <laughs> that like there's been ups and downs for sure, and I'm, I'm sure we'll all get into that at some point.
3: Um, I think it's it's the thing about listening to a- advice. I think, and this is something that I keep coming back back to, and I, I kind of wrestle with this all the time because I'm often asked about advice, whether that's warranted or not. It's beside the point, but <laughs> I, I just think advice is really difficult. I think that the thing. It's how you uh, interpret the advice. That is the yeah. key thing. Uh, because otherwise, everyone has basically the same story, a version of the same story, that they you know went to school, I did this, I did this, I worked really hard, and then now here I am. Uh, and, and to me, I, I think there's very little in there. You know, there's the very, what seems to me, very common sense advice that people just sort of regurgitate in different ways. But it, it's kind of the, the same thing. I don't think there's one path. And I think it's very hard for right. people who aren't experiencing this to understand what this person is even talking about now good speakers take that stuff and they they mm-hmm. turn it into a nice story and a you know it's convenient and it sounds great but I think in Are you the saying end,
2: Cole's not a nice speaker
3: no 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 but I'm just saying <laughs> if we all did the exact same thing we would still end up in different places right there is, there is no path you know like I think there's some practical advice that you can give like about accounting or something like that, sure. you know. <laughs> but otherwise, I think it's it's a very difficult, it's a very personal decision to make yeah. and timing and who could plan on COVID and, and all of this stuff. Um, it's just that's why you really have to go with your gut and sort of maybe take a bunch of stuff in and sort of <laughs> have it in the back of your head when the time comes. But otherwise, I don't see how anyone can advise when to go freelance or when not to.
2: Yeah, I don't think I ever would have made the jump. So I feel like I would have been Mm -hmm. like Cole was saying where it's, oh yeah, once I get this much saved, I'll be ready to go. Or once I get this many clients for freelance, I'll be ready. If I didn't get let go and get that push where I I had no choice but to figure out how to make more money and get more clients, um, I don't know if I ever would have, been you know air quotes ready to do that so it's but kind would of a you, good and a bad thing
3: would you go right back to an office job if something came up tomorrow um it's yes there are definitely <laughs> 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 all right
2: <laughs> there are definitely jobs that i think would bring me back to a full-time role um i mean there's so much good that could come from full-time gig it's just I don't know. I I think it depends. That also is almost like a personal choice, too. Like you were saying, Jared, where a personal choice to go freelance, it'd be the same to go back to a full time job, especially if you're at a place where the freelance is doing relatively well or you figured out a way to survive. Going Mm -hmm. back to a normal gig would be kind of the same decision, but like in reverse, Cole, you answered
3: very quickly. Do you want to talk about that a little <laughs> bit? Would you I mean, is that is that on your mind right now? Like, okay, if something came up, I'm no question jumping at it?
1: Uh, you know, honestly, I, I don't know. I mean I, I think I think what I think it'd be interesting to actually hear um from the three of us, like, you know, what do you love, absolutely love about being a freelancer and then like what do you not like? And like for me, I think I think freelances it's, it's such a weird relationship. Like I, I hate it and love it at the same time. And, um, part of me would say, yeah, I would, I would definitely stay with it. Um, as far as a full-time job goes, I mean, this year was a weird year because I, 2019 was like financially a crushing year. Um, mm. I was experiencing what everyone was experiencing, uh, almost a year earlier as far as like money, uncertainty, lack of jobs, scarcity, etc. And, um, I had to go out this year and like, I just had to go get a job. It wasn't an office Mm -hmm. job because I knew I wasn't going to be able to commit to an office job mentally and creatively and still pursue freelance. So I just, I went with the next best thing, which is watering plants at home Depot. Mm -hmm. And that was the, that was the thing I needed to kind of help bridge the gaps in between paychecks. And so, um, like freelance paychecks and, um, If you had asked me at that point, or at least this time last year, I would have said, there's no way in hell I'm going to do this. I'm a freelancer. This is what I do. There's no job out there for me anymore. This is it. When you have something kind of hit you like that, and you're just like, I have to jump and make a decision, you're like, okay, yeah, I guess I can can do that. It's not impossible anymore. Right. And the thing is, is when you do it, you realize like, oh, it's not that bad. You Mm know, I... I don't feel like I'm less of a designer because I have to divide my time at the, the big box, uh, home improvement store. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm still an artist. I'm still creative. In fact, I even feel a little bit more creative because I'm kind of anxious to get back to my office. You know, I'm ready to, you know, to stop watering these plants or, you know, um, carrying these bags of dirt. I want to do something fun. And so, I don't know. Nothing's off the table anymore. That's kind of been the awesome thing about 2020. Like, it's just kind of like, you know, for a long time, I thought like what I was doing was failing. But then like when the whole world started to fail, it was like, oh, we're all all in this together now. And then you just kind of find ways to climb back out of it. And so for me, it's like, yeah, maybe an office job is on the table if it's cool. And if it's something I can do, um, or maybe it's more hours at a part-time job or, you know, whatever the case is, like I'm kind of just, my thing right now is just make money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep, keep providing for the <laughs> family. And, um, I'm kind of, I've had my ego knocked down so much over the last <laughs> six, seven, nine, whatever month it is now where I'm just like, yeah, I'm just, I want to work hard. I want to be nice to people. I want to yep. do the best I can. And I don't really care what that is or how cool it is or isn't. Um, that's what I want to do.
3: Yep. Yep. I did the same thing in my early years. I went, I went to, uh, I worked a retail job, basically did whatever it takes. Cause then you're supporting your freelance career by doing that. Right. You know, I mean, obviously you're supporting your family and, and the financial needs that you have, but you're saying, I'm not going to get distracted by going into another full-time right? industry. I'm, I'm going to, you know, this is to just support my freelance career and stuff like that. And I think when you start looking at it in that perspective and letting go of a, I think for someone like you, the, the, the big pressure is you have a family. Sure. And you have that. That is what's driving you more than if it was just you alone. Um, and you can be like, well, I'm just going to eat ramen for you know the rest of my life. And uh, <laughs> right. <you> know, like, <laughs> like, or I'll, I'll move home for a little while, which is what I did at the very beginning. And um, right. try to save my just you just do what you can to, to do it. Because, yeah, like you said, at, at in the end of the day, it kind of doesn't matter like saving face or, or feeling a certain way about it. Right. Like if you don't have money, you don't have money. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean that, that it's funny how quickly money starts forcing the sort of the decisions that you make.
1: hundred percent.
2: Yeah. Jer- Jared, you're the furthest from having a full-time normal person job or, uh, like a staffer job. Would you ever consider going back to a full-time position?
3: Um, I, I would never say never if it was a if it was something I couldn't pass up. And and if I, given that everything's equal, say I'm doing fine in freelance, it's not like I'm having a hard time in freelancing because then for sure I would go back to an office job. I'm right, not, right. not going to yeah. be that uh, crazy to, to say no to something like that. Is it a goal to go back to the office? No. I could see like doing a <laughs> like a long-term contract with somebody, like someone saying like, we want you to come work on this for the next six months. I would consider yeah. something like that if it's a dream project or something like that. Otherwise... No, it's it's not my or or even in in the same respect, if the money was so good, you're like, I got to do this. Like, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a huge chunk of money. It's financial security for so many months or something. It allows you to do other things after the fact. Yeah, I would definitely consider that. But at this stage, I'm not looking for for office jobs, but I wouldn't I'd never say never.
2: Yeah, there's the we kind of glossed over. Cole, you had an actual question in your last response. What are some of the things that we love and hate from freelancer, yeah. I guess I'll go first on this one. And it's, it's kind of the same thing. The one thing that jumps out to me at least is the freedom and flexibility of your schedule. It's definitely a good and a bad thing. So like you're almost expected as a freelancer to be available to work at all times. And especially if you have a deadline that's kind of in the distance, it, you, you put it on yourself to work and get it done by that deadline. So that may mean working nights and weekends, um, especially if you're busy and you have multiple projects piled up on each other, even if the deadline is a month away, if you have two or three clients that have a lot of um, expectations and deliverables that they're expecting from you, that could mean well over 40 hours a week that you're working. But the flip side of that is, you do have the freedom to create your own schedule as long as you get this stuff done. So if you want to sleep in and work 5 to midnight, you can do that. If you want to wake up early and do like a 12-hour day from 8 to 8, you can do that. Um, that's that's kind of the first thing that jumped out to me um, in terms of what I love and hate about the freelance life so far at least.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I'm with you. Like the the creating your own schedule thing is like, I think, I think that might be the biggest like carrot on the stick for most people who are considering going freelance or, mm-hmm. or have ever dreamed about going freelance. I know for me personally, I, I don't know. I, I, I liked, I, I like jobs that have that flexibility of like choose your hours or, you know, if you want to start a couple hours later or, you know, earlier, that's up to you. If you want to take a 30 minute lunch, you want to take an hour lunch, that's up to you. Cause I feel like especially in a creative field in a creative agency, it's kind of like, you're not creative always from nine to five. You know, that's not, it's weird to me to think that like, I have to be in this place from this time to this time and just be creative. It's, it's kind of, it's not one of those things that I feel like works well for, for me maybe. And and, and maybe it doesn't work well for a lot of people. And so it kind of seems like part of the time I'm out at a job, this is like a waste of my time. Like Mm -hmm. I could be, I need to go for a walk or I need to just go sit and have a coffee break, meaning, you know, not coffee at my desk, but go sit somewhere else, get away from the screen. And you just, you don't get that kind of freedom at a job, at least not here in Nashville. I know California is pretty hip and cool and (laughs) you can do all sorts of things and maybe, you know, have a treadmill at your desk. I don't know, but (laughs) Nashville felt very much like jobs in the past for me. have always felt very much like a school type of agenda. It's like, and I don't know. Just for me, like I don't. It's not that I want the flexibility of working at night or working longer hours or working less hours because I'm I'm such a creature of habit. I wake up early every freaking day. Doesn't matter if I have to work or I don't. I just I can't not wake up early. It's I don't even set an alarm. I just wake up. What's and early?
3: What's early for you?
1: Five forty-five. Oh my gosh! That's yeah. fu- <laughs> Usually. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's early, but it's like I. I'm creative in the morning, like at noon, nothing's going to happen. Like Mm. I'll save all production type work. So let's say, um, I'm doing an illustration for an editorial, all the brainstorming and all the creative preliminary sketching. I'll always do in the morning and then I'll save the finalization of that drawing, which is, you know, the inking and the coloring, the things that just kind of come naturally. I'll say that for like the afternoon where mm. I can just put on a record, listen to some music. It doesn't matter how tired I am. I can still do this drawing as long as I'm not having to creatively think. So it's right. like my execution time of day. Mm-hmm. But if I'm wanting to get good creative work, I, it has to be in the morning. It's And it's usually from like 7 a.m. To, to about 11 a.m. or noon. And, before I start working, I'll I'll just do some reading. Like I'll allow myself to wake up. I'll read, I'll drink coffee, you know, just kind of relax and then I'll get into work. But when you have an (laughs) office, like when I have an office job is like, you got to get up at, you know, 545 or six. And that's time spent, especially in a city that's like, now you just have to get on the road because you're going to be in traffic for the next hour. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's like, that's an hour wasted, you know. Um, Same thing with coming home. You're off at four o'clock, but it's an hour to get back home. And next thing you know, it's like, you've lost all this valuable time. And for me, that just, it kind of drives me nuts. So that's why I don't like the office schedule and I love freelance, but also the thing I don't like about freelance outside of the, when are you going to pay me email? I have to send, you know, 50 times, (laughs) (laughs) uh, 50 times a a, a week. Um, I don't like that. I can't turn work off because um, I see it as like, if there's, if there's, if there's nothing, to do, I don't know, like, I'll I'll just, I'll find ways to work. And it's like, I know I should be downstairs, you know, hanging out with my family or, you know, doing something I like, but because my computer is here and my stuff is here and my sketchbook is here, then I'm going to work. And Mm -hmm. I've gotten way better at that this year. Um, I've actually, my office is kind of, so my office used to be my toy room before mm-hmm. I <laughs> so this is just like this is where all my action figures and collectibles are it's kind of like just this the place that's out of everyone else's view and then it became my office and then my my fun room became my work room and then I'm not having fun anymore and I'm working all the time so I've spent this year building this thing out to be half office, half man cave which I hate <laughs> the term but it is like I've built an entertainment center, I have a television in here, I have my stereo in here. I've got I mean, there's so much that I can do that's fun. So now I can kinda when it's time to stop working or I have finished a project, instead of starting something early, I'll do something fun because it's available to me. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and I definitely so I like that.
2: have I have that issue too where if there's free time, I almost feel guilty not working. Yeah. Where I will try and fill this I have a hard time like coming down and relaxing. And I always want to do something productive and creative, whether that's starting a new project for like a personal project uh-huh. or getting ahead on some client work. I definitely have a hard time balancing doing that work-life balance. Did it take you a while to kind of get come to terms with that, Jared, or is that something that you're pretty good at?
3: No, I mean, again, it's it's so different for for everybody, right? It's, it depends on your situation and everything. I don't have kids, and that's a big I'm not married. And it's a big difference that, that, you know, those other things that are constantly pulling you away from work, I kind of don't have right now. The mm-hmm. worst thing that's pulling me away is like social life, like doing stuff, you know, like I, I want to finish this so I can go do stuff after, you know, meet up with friends or go to Disneyland or something like that. But I will say, um, over the years I've gotten very good about, and I never thought I would cause I never think this way, but, um, like seriously scheduling exactly down to the hour, what you're working on that I need to get this much done on this project, uh, you know, this week. So that means I have to finish whatever. If I'm doing a book, it's like a spread a day. Okay. And so when I finish that spread, instead of going on to a second spread, I have to go do the other thing I have to do because that's scheduled out that, you know, you'll finish this by Friday if you just follow this, this thing. And the other things will start falling behind if you're not going and working on that. So, um, I'm, I'm very scheduled now. I mean, it's all kind of in my head. I don't write this down. I just know that these are the amount of work I need to get done each day, um, in Mm -hmm. order to stay on top of things. And then because something always comes up, you know, you think, oh, I've got extra days before this is due. And then you get a call and this dream job comes through and you have to say yes to that. So now you're scrambling. So, um, I try to keep room for those kinds of things. And I've just gotten very tight about the time management because I kind of have to be
2: I was going to ask that's if you good. had a specific project management like system, do you use any of those programs or like write it down or anything like that? I know for me, I think I told you this already Jerry, but like I have this whiteboard that's I update every week and it's all of the projects I have like long term and then what I want to accomplish each day of the week on the on one half of the board.
0: Mm.
3: Yeah. I did see your whiteboard. I'm not, I I always like the idea of those things and I like it at the beginning and then I don't keep it up and I don't (laughs) update it and it's all like wrong now. And so at best I have like uh, somewhere by my desk, I have a shelf and I just literally line up post-its and I say, these are the things that I got to do. So I can constantly, I can constantly look down and be like, Oh yeah, I've got to get to that. And that's Thursday and, and things like that. But I don't, I don't map it out physically other than, than that. Um, I guess I could. I just I haven't felt the need to to do that yet. It's just like journaling and those kind of things. I always start off like <laughs> I want to do it, and then I just like ah, you know, haven't written for four months. You know, something like <laughs> every entry. Um, uh. So no, I I and I don't know. For me, with the freelance stuff, especially, it seems like everything is urgent. Um, yeah, there, there is nothing that's sort of on the back burner very much. So um, I just don't. I don't want to waste the time. Organizing it, I just want to have it in my head and and sort of a visual, a visual clue there that I can just. The the worst part is like things like this, like podcasts. Like I will have to put that up on my thing. Like don't forget podcasts on Wednesday, Mm because that will I'll just keep working and not not think about that because it's something outside of what I'm normally doing.
2: Right. Do you have any project management system you have or use? Cool.
1: Yeah, I bounce back between just physically writing it in um on note cards or I use Trello which you can essentially use it as like a digital um mm. whiteboard. So, yeah. I'll have these different cards, that, they're basically just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, through, through Monday through Friday and I'll have categories underneath of them. So, I'll have like work, email, and to-do. And so to-do is like anything from, you know, pay mortgage to, you know, clean out the car. Email is like everything from follow up with someone about feedback on something or send the project to somebody, you know, anything email related, obviously. And then the work side is I try to be smart with like what I'm willing to do that day because I know I could essentially finish a week's worth of work in just a couple of days but that would require me like working mm-hmm. all night you know and so and you can i mean if you want to work two full days and then take the rest of the week off and everything's you know everyone's happy and they have their projects then fine but um i try not to do that i've i i'm still guilty of it from time to time but uh I try to I've gotten more confident with how well I work, how how efficient I work but then also giving myself you know the space to um, to, to complete something even if I could do it quicker because I never mm-hmm. want to give clients the idea that like yeah I'm just waiting for you all day. let me jump on this right mm-hmm. now and, and tell my family to go away and you know not eat dinner and you'll have this you know by the morning. I'll try to really fight for the time. Cause It kind of allows me because I know I'm going to do it probably immediately the next day, but I, I'll usually like I'll even sit on it if I have to, or yeah. But you know, That's I right. won't send it until it's time until I said so because I, I right. want to just, you know, and that gives me the freedom to like take a break, you know, go for a walk, get outside, you know, go to the shop and, and you know, work on a wood project or something.
3: I was telling Mark this, uh, not too long ago, every time I am, uh, someone reaches out and uh, with a job or asking if you're available, I always say I'm super busy. Tell, you know, I, it's like, I just yeah. want to say like, you know, like if you can give me a little bit more about the project um, I can see if I can fit it in, you know, and stuff like that. But I want to come at it that I'm busy. Right. Otherwise it's just like, yeah, things will go on forever. And then you can, it's oh. easier to sort of set sort of time limits to like, okay, I can do this, but I need everything by Thursday. If I don't, it's going to bump us off you know, that's another week that it's going to bump up. And I just try to keep that urgency. Otherwise things can just, yeah, uh, you're, you're playing catch up. I think that's one of the other things with freelance yeah. that a lot of people underestimate is the amount of time. The work of it is not the work. The work is everything but the work. Uh, the art, the drawing, right. that's easy. You know how to do that. That's fine. Everything else you have to do is a lot of work. Um, yeah. And you can't not schedule that in because it's such a just invoicing and emails and following up on emails and anything else you have to do, um, buying supplies or like your printer goes down and just all of that stuff comes into it and takes away from the work that you, that you have to do. Um, and I think a lot of people don't plan for that. And that to me is the worst part of freelancing for me. Everything but the work is the worst part. It's like yeah. managing your own uh, finances, your taxes, all of that stuff. <laughs> plus like uh, medical benefits, j- doing that stuff like suddenly you have to learn how to read all that stuff and understand like is this a good plan i don't i have no idea like (laughs) right in an office job you take the one they give you and you're like that's great and even then you're kind of like i don't want to i don't want to read this you know yeah you don't you don't care enough because
1: you you kind of trust that the person giving it to you has your best interest um right at hand i think it's like you said all that stuff and that's that's something i i like Stupidly enough, did not consider when going freelance. Mm. Like you really like I really I don't thought think most like, people do. No, yeah. but I mean like it's like, okay, I, I I illustrate or I design and this is, you know, this is fun. And if I go freelance, then I just get to have fun all the time. But it's like what you've essentially done is fired an entire staff of people to do these yeah. other things for you by saying That's you're right. going freelance. So now you're the janitor. Now you're the, you know, the promoter, yep. the marketer, you know, you're the one balancing the books, doing the taxes. You know, and that in itself is a job. But then there's this third job that I don't think we realize we have, but it's you could you could lump it in with marketing. And I Mm -hmm. hate that it's even called that now because it used to be this is me just sharing my work and having fun on social media. Yeah. But now it's like I have to do this third job, which is be available to the masses. Like I need to show that I'm drawing, that I'm creating, that I'm being innovative, that I'm trying new things, that I'm sharing you know my process and all this and you're doing that in hopes that the right person will see it and then give you more work to do which is really, right. which right. is really like kind of a, a weird thing to to you know it's it's like the opposite of fishing it's like you fish to catch something and you get to enjoy it but it's like no i'm, I'm actually fishing so i just keep working endlessly like i just want more to do yeah <laughs> uh, and yeah you get money for it sometimes but um you know, it's, it's, it's not quite as, I don't know, just, it feels different than it used to when you're just sharing your work, like Instagram, all that stuff used to be super fun. Now I feel like, well, this drawing I did today really sucks and I can't afford to share that right now Mm -hmm. because I want people to hire me. So I'm going to, you know, there's all this time I just wasted.
3: Yep. Yep. I think it, um, for me, at least it really focuses my social media and it's nice because, um, I mean, I really, to me, social media is all work. It's all a, yeah. a, a tool for work. It's not like I want to show pictures of my dog or I want to do all these other things. Um, you know, it's like it, it, everything focuses around whether that's just sort of, I don't know, presenting your uh, personality that feels like a professional personality, you know, right. and not like <clears throat> going on a rant about the president or something like that you know, in the middle <laughs> of your social media stuff and just, treating it like it's a business and not like it's just a personal thing. So it's good and bad, right? It it really, um, it's a great way to advertise. It's a very powerful tool to have as opposed to not having it. So yeah, it's interesting, but you're right. It takes a lot of time and you're like planning posts weeks ahead of time. And like, you know, I have, you have to kind of keep posting to stay in that algorithm and yeah yeah it becomes work it literally becomes work you guys are the grind
2: (laughs) you guys are both way better at the social media presence than i am yes with my personal account and (laughs) squared co
0: yes do you have
2: so you kind of touched on it briefly but do you have like specific strategy to that or like a posting schedule do you look at a calendar and try and figure out like okay i'm gonna post something this day or do you try and make it a little bit more like organic and, um, I don't know. No, not I mean, so curated
3: to me, like, uh, anytime people try to treat social media, like, Hey, this is really me. I mean, it's not, it's, it's a yeah. small fraction. Right. <laughs> of what, And in our cases, we're doing it for our work. We're not trying right. to promote our family. Like we're the ideal family. You know, it's our work. We're trying to say we're the ideal artist. Um, mm-hmm. so to me, it's, it's, in that way, if it doesn't support what I'm doing or the bigger picture of what I'm doing, then I don't waste my time doing it. Uh, I used to and I got much better. Like I used to kind of include vacation pics and things like that. And unless it has something to do with what I'm doing, I, I avoid those now and just try to keep it focused on, on what I'm doing. And um, you Unless
2: know, it's yeah. cereal, toy, but or it's Disney all, related. But it's all part
3: of it, right? That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it's, exactly, it's on it's brand. All, right, 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 right. That's exactly
1: right. Um, yeah, so, I think... Like for me, I've not quite uh, the line's kind of bored for me, and it's it's kind of fitting in a way. Like it, it may even be on brand for myself. But like mm-hmm. my my Instagram handle is Life of Cole, um, <clears throat> right? And you are, if you you do get to see bits of my life, like mm-hmm. every once in a while, and I keep it to stories, right? If you go to if you go to right. the grid, um, it's all work, <laughs> yeah. And yep. I I keep it that there's no sandwiches, there's no beers, there's no you know. <laughs> Pictures of my kids, nothing. Like, it's just, it's my work. Because I, in this day and age, while I totally think you need to have a URL and a proper website, um, this is also your website. This is probably more your website than anything else is going to be. That's right. Probably 80% of my jobs have come through instant messages or dms on instagram so Mm -hmm. um if you think that it's not like what you're posting isn't serious and you you want to be like you need to get serious about it um now as serious as to how i post you know i have no rhyme or reason of like i don't follow a schedule for me i find it the best way for me to stay active on the art side of things is to challenge myself with um prompts so I've always done some sort of holiday theme prompt where it'll keep me in people's uh, feeds for you know, a couple of weeks at a time or I'll think of a series of drawings I want to do um, and that'll keep me you know busy for a period of time. But if I'm not doing those things, I kind of drop off like I kind of go into mm-hmm. mark mode. Um, <laughs> I kind of I kind of disappear a bit. I go to the gym a lot and look really handsome, and and then I'll come back later. I'll share a, a piece of work, but um, yeah, I, in my stories though, you'll see like what's what's Cole listening to today on his record unit player, or you know what's he building in the shop, like. And for me, it's almost just kind of like, I want to share those things, but like I would never share it in a post. It's it's always going to be in in a story or, you know, and I feel like it's kind of on brand. Like Life of Cole, mm-hmm. does it say does it say Art of Cole? It just, you know, <laughs> it's probably more confusing to see a bunch of art on my page. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I've, I've blurred those lines and I've really, I've often thought about making a distinct mm-hmm. platform. Like I've really thought about, making just a personal live maybe i keep it private close friends only and then i have this other page where it's just like this is art i'll share way more process if you want me to you know maybe i'll share more work that way but i've not done it yet because i'm not really um yeah i don't know i don't really have a good reason as to why i haven't done it yet i've been busy i guess (laughs) i I think
3: like in this day and age you can't be like oh i should be better at social media i'm like "You, you can't You can't be that passive about it. I think it's like you're missing out on 80% of your work there, like uh, Cole was saying, um, by not having that be a powerful part of it. And and each, to me, each social media platform is like a very different group, you know, and you're you're reaching a different group. So you can kind of play within that. Like, I don't know, like – Twitter's New York, Instagram's LA, and Facebook's right. the Midwest. <laughs> you know, like that's no, it's what it, it's, that's it's what so it true. Like. Yeah. Like,
1: it's kind of like the meme of like I, I forget how it goes exactly, but it's basically like uh, taking the same picture of someone, and there's like these different personifications of that person, and it's tagged with you know Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I feel like our uh, business side is is really like that too, and I'm I don't use a whole lot of platforms. I've tried like um, Instagram really is like where I put a hundred percent of my efforts. Um, if I think about it, I'll remember to post the dribble or to post a behance or, um, LinkedIn or something. But I think too, you kind of just have to stick, like stick with where, where, where it's coming from, like where, where you're getting that traction. Um, because you can't treat them all the same way. Right. Is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs>
3: yeah, no, I agree. I agree. What about you, Mark? Then if, if you're saying that you're not good about social media, what is your, what is your thought then on that?
2: Uh, I agree with all of what both of you have said. And I think that's really good advice to post regularly, stay on brand and it's how you get new eyeballs to your work and what you do. Mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to have, I mean, I'm not trying to say this like, uh, in a bragging sort of way, but I guess I've had a decent network that goes beyond just a personal network where I've been able to get a lot of work. Because like outside have, of social media. Yeah, outside rounds. of social media, exactly. Because all of the work that I've been getting since I got laid off was like a referral of a friend or somebody mm-hmm. that I've worked with previously. Um, and to be completely honest, my social media presence would probably be more of a deterrent at this point because I don't share any of like the current work and projects that I've been um, a part of. So I definitely agree with you guys and think it's something that I need to make more important in my, uh, I don't know, future and moving forward with freelance because um, it's probably sh- not shutting the doors, but not opening new doors um, to new clients and new work.
3: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, I I've, just even from what I've heard from other people that are art directors and stuff like that. That's you know they're looking at social media because it's so easy, it's right. so accessible, and you get a you get a different feeling from that than you do from just looking at someone's portfolio page, which is heavily yeah. curated. Um, and so you're right. just really getting the highlights there, and so of course it's going to look fantastic. I think. The good thing about Instagram is it kind of gives this rounded picture of not just not you personally, but your work, uh, whether that's with sketches or mm-hmm. you know personal work and things like that that can kind of go into the mix. And I, for me, that's a very strong uh, aspect of it. Uh, it's not yeah. so something like graphic design. I could see being a lot more focused on uh, clients and and sort of the the cleanliness of it because even your website is being judged. Uh, you know, and for the illustrator, they just want to see the images. It's okay if you have a sort of overly simplistic uh, website, but as a graphic designer, they're going to like, yeah, look at this crappy icon he's using and stuff right, like that. <laughs> Everything's being looked at. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't think, I think Mark, you could gain a whole lot from being a lot more active on um, social media, but yeah to each their own
1: <laughs> the thing that's weird with like social media it, it'll be really interesting one day like like i'll tell my daughter one day like yeah instagram used to be really popping like you could mm-hmm. post something <laughs> if you had 500 followers all 500 people would see it and she'd be like no way that's impossible you Yeah, know? because <laughs> it's it's really the case like the algorithm is such a weird beast it, it's mm-hmm. like it, I, I, there's like people who are trying to crack the code and it's, there's nothing to crack because it's, it's, it's this thing of its own. Like, um, it's like a be,
2: real life thing at
1: this it, point. Yeah. It's, it's an entity. It's like breathing and it changes its mind. It, it's like a toddler. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's I have weird. one of those in my house already. So, <laughs> yeah. um,
3: so for both of you, uh, relatively recent to freelance, unlike myself, what, um, at this hmm. stage, uh, surprised you, the most about, uh, the decision, whether that's a difficult thing or a good thing, it could be either one. Um, what kind of surprised you once you were doing this full time? Cause it's funny. There is like a day where you're like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of turns over. Um, was there something that stands out for
1: either? Nicole, go ahead and start on this one. Uh, good question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, think what was surprising for me is to realize like drawing an illustration, like, because I had a full-time job for a long time, like I I went to school for design, I went to school for illustration. So I I had full intentions of going into a career that centered around one of those two things.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: for about 10 years, it was strictly design. Every once in a while, I get a chance to do some illustration. But for about seven or eight of those years, I was drawing a lot outside of that job. So it felt like a hobby. And sometimes I would get illustration jobs from that, And, um, essentially the, the, the thing is, is I built up such a portfolio on my own that when I quit my design job, um, I left everything behind. Like I, I, like I built a website and it was all illustration. None of it came from the seven years I did at my previous job, um, Right, And that felt really good. Like that was like, wow, I, I, this shows like I I did the work, I got the clients. I was, you know, that kind of helps solidify what it is I do. And it's really cool that I could quit this job I've spent so much time at and not need anything from that. Yeah. The things I took from it are like people skills, communication, email habits, things like that. That's all great. And that's all Mm -hmm. super important, like equally as important as the work you show. But it did feel really good to be like, yeah, my hobby kind of is going to turn into this job. But the thing I didn't realize is um, I'm going to need another hobby now that I've made this hobby my job. <laughs> and so I've really been That's on true. this That's path of like, yeah, I've really been on this path of like figuring out like, what are things I like to do? Like if art is now my job, I can't just do this from the time I wake up until it's time to go to sleep and keep doing that. Like I have to find things right. that are going to... Um, entertain me in some ways, like want me to get away from the desk. So yeah, mm-hmm. that, I've been woodworking. I'm I'm like, I'm building things. It's creative. I'm learning a new skill. Like it's, it's fun. And I get almost the same joy and satisfaction from that as I do when I'm working on a personal illustration project. So that mm-hmm. was really surprising to me was kind of the realization of like, oh, wow, my, my hobby is now a job. I need a new hobby. What else Like, what does Cole do? Like, you know, so um, apparently I'm like, uh, I'm I'm Bob Vila. So at least I'm a Bob Bob Vila wannabe.
2: (laughs) At what point is the new hobby going to be your new job?
1: I don't know. And uh, to be honest, I would not mind if that ever became a thing. I think I'm years away Mm. from it. Obviously I'm still learning and building a lot of ugly furniture, but I'll get the hang of it one day. (laughs) And, um, I think, I think what I'm realizing is they all kind of work in tandem. Like I I could see myself one day taking on, in fact, before the year's over, I'll have my first commissioned piece of furniture that I'm making for someone. And I'm really excited for it. And, um, I'll kind of get to see what that feels like for a a bit, but I, does that
2: feel like a job that someone's paying you to do it now? Does it like change the dynamic of working on it?
1: It makes me want to do a way better job than if it was for myself. Like there's definitely not going to be any shortcuts or, uh, any weird, uh, (laughs) fixes. I'll, I would do like, I'll, you know, and yeah, I think, I don't think, I think it might feel like a job, which is what worries me a bit. But, um, I don't know. It's still so new. I'm still very in very much so in the honeymoon phase of of making uh, and Mm -hmm. and building. So uh, but I could see that going into maybe more uh, more of a job situation. But then that would kind of make me love drawing more again. You know, like I I think I think having those two things both going at the same time instead of uh, letting the oil run on one, you know, burning up that oil. um, I think I'm going to be better off splitting my time between these two things and And maybe they'll both run, you know, a lot longer than if I just kind of kept using up, you know, one one of them.
3: That's interesting. That's really interesting because I I agree. I've I've felt that same thing, um, but I have not found another hobby. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. I I definitely (laughs) find reasons to take me away from the desk to force myself to say, okay, you have to stop at this time and do something else for a few hours or something like that. Um, but yeah, it is interesting uh, when your hobby is your – like your passion is your hobby and your job. It's, right. It's, it's, it can be good and it can be bad and I think you can sort of sail into burnout if you're not careful. Uh, but it is yeah. it is hard if you are – like for me, it's really what I love to do. The minute I stop doing work stuff, I can't wait to start my other stuff, you know, right. which is the same thing. So yeah, it is something I think everyone has to – that's a, such a personal – yeah, a gauge there, though. What about and you, that- Mark? Anything surprising that you noticed right away?
2: We, I mean, we kind of already touched about on most of the things, but it's really like the back of house stuff. Mm-hmm. So keeping up with contacts, following up with invoices, yeah. uh, really being on top of project management, looking and juggling a number of different clients, a number of different projects. Like that stuff, Cole said it perfectly. There's a whole staff when you're in an agency. Yeah. Yep. That once you go freelance, you basically fire all those people and you have to carry the burden that, you know, they're responsible for. Um, and it's, it's silly because it's so obvious when you say it, but it's not something you're thinking of when you're daydreaming about freelance or going into it. You mm, think that, yeah. oh, I'm just going to be doing the work and somebody's going to get money to me somehow. Not realizing that, oh, yeah, obviously... It's you that's going to have to be the account manager mm-hmm. and the bookkeeper and all these other roles. Yeah. So that's that was the big sort of surprise that shouldn't have been a surprise. Mm-hmm.
3: That makes sense. I think, I think a lot of people just don't – it doesn't occur to them how much work that is. Not yeah. that you're not going to do it, but just how much work and time – that that takes off. Like I used to start the day by doing that stuff in the morning and then I'd realize I'm like, this is taking me half the day to right. do this. I, I have <laughs> to find a better system. I think one of the things that mainly surprised me going into it was how fluid pricing is. I always thought you'd kind of get into this, well, this is my rate, kind right. of oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's never been that way because you kind of weigh it against, well, you know, and you, you rarely get paid for the actual time you spend on task. Right. Uh, because you've, you kind of figure that out. You're like, oh, I can't tell them that number. That's way too high. You know, like <laughs> right. If I actually did my hourly rate at this you know, this stuff. So um, that is always a challenge for me. Pricing and, and uh, estimating on stuff is is always a challenge for me. And I know I tend to go too low. And so that's always something that I'm constantly working on. It's always great when you're in that position where you're like, I'm just going to give them a crazy number. And if they say yes, great, I'll make a lot of money. If they say no, it's fine because I'm so busy anyway. Yeah, um, right. But otherwise, every time that question comes up, I'm like, ah, did you have a budget in
1: mind? I know. Or like- <laughs> Just tell me what you have. I can either tell you <laughs> yeah. I'll do it for that much or I won't. Um, yeah. I, I ran into Because when they instance- don't
3: flinch at your price, you're like,
1: ah, I went too low. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you hate that. And you know that's exactly yeah. what happened. Um, right. I've had more luck when somebody... You know, when we agree upon a price, whether whether I think it's low or high, it's just when you agree and you're like, okay, I'm willing to put the work in. But I've had more uh, instances than not where you come halfway to a point like in the project and they've seen some of what you're doing, then you can kind of have that conversation again where you're like, hey. I know I said I would do it for this, but honestly, if we're wanting to make it by this deadline and, you know, the amount of work that's actually going into it, I think we, you know, is there a way we can increase the budget? That's Mm -hmm. actually worked in my favor multiple times because I think what happens is you maybe did bid a little too low. So there is this other money sitting aside. And once you kind of give them a proof of purchase where they're seeing like, oh, yeah, he's legit. He's doing a great job. He's been cordial through email. He's on time. Yeah. Why the hell not? Let's give him a few extra bucks, you know, and then. Yeah. And it works. And it really it really works to their benefit as well. It's not just you benefiting from getting more money like, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think the other thing people, the person that hires you doesn't also realize that there are other things coming in at you. And so for me, right. it's like if a client is respecting me, they're paying me well, they're treating me well, I'm going to say no to this guy over here because I don't want this project to ruin the flow of this current project. Like I owe it to <laughs> yeah. who I'm working with now to do the best I can, and I don't want to divide any of that time that I know I could put towards this that kind of matches what they're paying me. And so, you know, if, if anybody out there listens to this that's in the position of hiring, kind of know that of like, you know, treat treat the freelancers good because, you know, they you want all of their time if you can have it because if you're going to benefit from that way more if they're having to, you know, if you're not paying them enough and they have to take on three other projects at the same time, you know, you're just going to get a half-assed job.
3: Yeah. I mean, to me, the hard part gets to be where you're like, uh, you know, when they're starting to get very granular about what they're paying for. And then, you know, like if they say, well, I'll pay you this much for the sketches. Well, I'm like, well, that's giving you the concept
0: that's right. the hard right. part
3: you know like that should be the most expensive part of it you can yeah. get anyone to take it from there and do it in illustrator or or take this idea and run with it so it's those kind of things where it gets a little like uh, and that's not even getting into the thing of like rights and like well you can only use it for these things as opposed to you know, yeah it gets really st- I always try to simplify it probably too much or I try to break the project up into smaller chunks so I can price it easier you know I say well let's just do the characters first and see how that how that right. goes before we do this whole, like, we're going to do a board game and an animated film and a book, you know, you're like, well, let's just take it easy. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to need a million in dollars in the back of, the of your helmet. head. You're like, yeah, you're like, we're not going to get that far. Trust me. You yeah. Know, well, <laughs>
1: but, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of,
3: um, that continues to be a challenge for me.
1: I'm glad to hear that because as long as you've been doing it, I'm really happy to know that this is not something that I'm constantly struggling with, uh, in my head of like pricing and why is it so all over the place? Um, yeah, it's good. To, it's good to know that someone as yourself is like, yeah, that, that's just how it is.
3: Well, I would say like the medium level uh, client is the best paying too big and they pay you crap and too small and they don't know what they're doing and they pay you crap. It's right in yeah. the middle where they're kind of trying to be decent and like pay you like the right price. But otherwise, you get to the big people, and they're like, "We know we don't have to pay you that much because you want to do this project," you know. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're lucky we're talking to you. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or they kind of come at you and say, "Like, here's how we pay you: fifty cents a graphic. Take it or leave it." And you're like, "Well." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do want to ask uh, one more question before we wrap things up. Um, sure. If if anyone's at liberty to say, and maybe it's something you've already been able to show. Um, but is there anything that um, you guys have worked on this year, um, specifically this year, uh, that has been fun, exciting, something that you're really proud of? Uh, the first one, or I'll, I'll just
2: leave it at this. Um, this is like the most notable project I've ever done. It was the Conan O'Brien merch. Mm-hmm. So he has a podcast and I was able to produce a, a sort of a series of graphics that they used on a bunch of different merch for his show and the first graphic i did i guess they liked it enough and they came back to me to produce a few more for the summer series um special that he had. i'm actually coincidentally wearing the t-shirt right now oh, very good which you guys can't see <laughs> perfect for the podcast um, yeah that was that was this summer um and yeah just because of the name attached to it uh, i'm pretty proud of that and getting a being able to work with such like a high profile brand and name uh, was definitely definitely something that i am proud of
3: yeah it is funny how um i don't know after a while you kind of get tired of that the name thing like i get it like uh because it's like when you tell your family you did something they don't know what you're talking about but if you say yeah. oh i did this thing for disney or i did this thing for carter right. brian now they're very excited and that that means something and it could be like your shittiest work you've ever done but they don't care they just know that oh that's a famous person and, and you're close yeah. to exactly. a famous person and stuff like that so <laughs> that's why i always feel like your triumphs as an illustrator are these very personal quiet moments that it's just you by yourself like oh, like that's amazing i always wanted to do that <laughs> and like that's yeah. it it doesn't get bigger than that you know because <laughs> everything else seems so fickle i will say to answer your question though Cole. every i've been very fortunate it seems like uh nothing has slowed down for me in fact things have ramped up because everyone's at home and working on merchandise right now and not working mm. on sort of live mm. events or that kind of thing um so i've been extremely busy which has been fantastic that's awesome um, and i'm so grateful because i know it's a it's a difficult time for so many people. Um, but I've, I've, I've gotten to work on a project for Netflix, which is exciting. And that's something that we'll never see the light of day. It's all like conceptual stuff. So, but that was a really fun project to work on. I got to do the, um, Pee Wee Herman puzzle and that was really exciting. I had a phone yeah. call with him and that was like, oh my gosh, this has nothing that's to do cool. with my work, <laughs> but I, I had a phone call with Pee Wee. Like just that's awesome. amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that for this year, that's been my a
1: highlight probably. Really I think cool I know one. the
2: answer for you, Cole, but we'll go ahead and let you That's nice share. of you, Mark, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, I built a table this summer. No. <laughs> um, I did build a table. I was actually really proud of that. Um, I saw that, I'm si- yeah. I'm sitting at it right now. It's my desk. I really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I, so last year I got approached to um, work with a – there's a clothing company out in Pittsburgh, Um Uh, Mm. called steel city and um primarily they are a you know just a huge like i mean it is all things um pittsburgh so a lot of the things that their shirts are about i don't relate to because i'm in nashville (laughs) but there's lingo that they use that um and, and things that they eat and do that you know people who see these shirts they're like yeah i love it you know i get it Um, But the cool thing about Pittsburgh um, is uh, PBS, and so um, PBS, they have the rights to work with PBS, and so they work Mm -hmm. directly with them. And last year, they asked me to um, initially concept some shirts for a Daniel Tiger's neighborhood line they were putting out, and it kind of turned into concepting into actually doing the shirts, and so that was really exciting. It was also really hard because um, even though it's for the company Still City, Um, nothing is approved unless it's approved by the Fred Rogers company and so yeah I'm not working directly with the Fred Rogers company but everything I do has to be up to their standards and be approved (laughs) by them so in a way you know I could if I had to impress someone I could say yeah maybe maybe I did work for Fred Rogers or PBS but anyway it turned out really fun it was a really cool project and um, was kind of expecting to leave it at that and then they came back this year and said hey we got the license to do the TV show, Arthur. Um, and we would love for you to come back and pitch some shirts and, you know, actually we want you to just do them. And so that was, that was really exciting. And then like right in the middle of that, it was like, Hey, we want you to do more Daniel shirts. You have these other concepts that you did last year. Can you make those? And so for me, (sighs) I don't have, like, a very distinct style, in, in my opinion. There might be people who can look at my work and say, oh, I know Cole did this, you know, this is how he draws this or whatever. Uh, I've never been able to find that about my own work, and I feel like a lot of people um, could could say that about themselves. But I love that I was able to kind of use these guides, you know, um, the style guides, and, like, be able to make work that is so on par with what they needed that it's like they could trust me to do that. Like they could come to me and be mm-hmm. like, "He's going to make Arthur look like Arthur, and it's going to be great." And it's like that to me was like that kind of felt good because, again, not being known for a particular style and kind of being a little all over the place um, with my work, it was nice to be when you feel like you don't have a place, and then someone would be like, "Yeah, you're the guy to do these licenses we get." You know, that to me mm-hmm. was really exciting. And so, um, oh, that's great. I don't know if I'll do Arthur the Ardvark yes Arthur the aardvark like the that Arthur yeah yes nice yeah and it's yeah again it's been super fun like I love um I don't know you kind of like I grew up drawing Garfield Mickey Mouse you know um Looney Tunes and it's kind of like that I mean these are things my daughter watches and so I in return watch them as well because I watch them with her but it's cool to be like kind of feel like you're a kid again like yeah I'm just going to draw Daniel Tiger and you know Arthur And then somebody put it on a t-shirt and like, and it's, you know, approved by the people who do the show. Like, I don't know, to me, that was just like, you know, if I could go back in time and tell eight-year-old me that you're going to get to do this one day, I think I could, I could really feel good about just continuing my work at Home Depot now and not drawing for a a company again.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's really awesome. See, not such a bad year after all. Yeah, and I, <laughs>
1: the reason I wanted to ask that question is because I know a, the topic of freelance can be uh, kind of negative sometimes because we're we're stressed, we're, we're constantly looking for the next thing to do or, you know, whatever the case is, it's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And so to be able to say something positive and to, and to really look back and reflect and even just give yourself a pat on the back, because the one thing I've noticed this year with going to Home Depot... You help someone, you know, where's the hammer? Okay, it's over here. Can you load this in my car? They're immediately thanking you. They're immediately happy that you're there and you get that satisfaction and that and that gratification and that exchange mm-hmm. immediately. When you're freelancing, yeah. you're by yourself. You rarely ever get a, it's not that people don't say thank you, but like you just don't know if you actually did a good job. It's like, yeah, I, I got paid and I turned the files in, but is anybody enjoying this? Are people, you know, buying the puzzles? <laughs> Are they buying the t-shirts? Are they buying the merch? You know, you don't you don't you don't get that part of the experience. And so, um, to be able to kind of reflect and be like proud of yourself for doing something, because if you you're not proud of yourself, then you know, who's gonna be proud of you? You know, like you kind of see you.
3: And that's what I mean by it being very personal, because I think the more we do social media and the more feedback that is available to you about your work, you start finding out that it is equal parts bullshit (laughs) as it is genuine, you know? So it, it kind of cancels itself out and then it doesn't, it doesn't represent that you're, you're good at a certain thing or not. It's just, Oh, for some reason, everybody liked this thing. You know, yeah. like, you have no idea why you don't even particularly like it. And so it's like this hollow victory of like, oh, well, right. great. Uh, you know, I'm not going to do that ever again, but I'm glad you guys liked it. <laughs> um, and so that's why I mean, it's very personal and like, you know, what you achieved with a certain piece and, you know, maybe one art director said this is exactly what we need. And that's your that's your reward right there, more so than money or, or a thousand likes or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's weird where the feedback does come from where you sort of get that affirmation of your work and it's like you said it can't be very lonely doing freelance because you have to find that on your own it's not just sort of like uh oh you're gonna get extra money this month or you get a raise at the end of the year or promotion or something like that 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 doesn't happen yeah Yeah. (laughs) i will say
2: with uh the conan merch it is fun to see people posting it on instagram and then the official conan people reposting my work so i'm seeing like a coffee mug with the artwork I did in someone's cabinet or like them drinking coffee from it or, you know, them wearing a t-shirt. It's people that, so what you were saying, Cole, like sometimes you don't get that pat on the back. This is kind of like an indirect way to see that somebody is appreciating the work. Um, but yeah, it does not happen very regularly.
3: But you can get a hundred of those, and then you get one guy that says, "I hate this mug," and you're like, "Fuck!" Oh,
1: <laughs>
3: Rethinking like, your whole career over one idiot's like, uh. you know mean comment, you're like, "Oh, yeah, he's right." Like immediately, he's so sh- right. Oh god, I hate him. Oh, I'm man. gonna I'm gonna wait a week, and then I'm gonna block him. Oh. <laughs> anyway. All
2: right. Well. I think that's that's all the time we have today with Cole. I want to before we sign off, I want to thank you again for your time and chatting with us about freelance. I think that this went by way too fast yes and did. there's a lot of topics and ground that we haven't covered so we definitely need to have another conversation about this and to have Cole back again for his ninth episode on Nine. Squared Co. <laughs> Technically or,
3: seven and a half if we don't <laughs> Reptar.
2: I'm gonna have to I'll gonna do a deep dive back into the archives and see how many times you've been a guest as well. Yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> Squared um, Co trivia there. Yeah. <laughs> uh but thanks again for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Thank
1: you for having me. Like I said, I'm always I'm always down and I love being on the Squared Co show. All right. Thank you guys
2: so much for listening to our conversation with Cole Roberts on Freelance. Now, of course, we couldn't go an episode without talking about The Mandalorian. And because we missed a week, this is actually a two-first. So we've got chapters, let's see, 11 and 12 of Mandalorian to cover here. Okay, um, good to these- see you, Cole.
3: Good to see Thanks. I was just walking full out. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Michael. We really appreciate it. Oh, dude, we're, we're busy with We're this jumping stuff, so. right into it here because so, yeah. we got a lot more <laughs> to go. And, All right.
2: I'm um, excited about this. So. I got Okay, so the last episode was, well, just so I'm kind of mentally caught up here. Yes, yes, yes. yes. The one that I hated with Baby Yoda was eating all the eggs, and they're on the ice planet with the weird spider monsters. Right. Which, so now looking at these next two, I'm going to try and, like, break it down, just talk about Chapter 11, and then we'll move on to 12. But I will say Chapters 11 and 12 really move the story forward and, like, add a lot more. The... The one where they he's eating the eggs. Like, that was kind of like a filler episode to me. These next ones actually have some meat to them. So I am excited to talk to you about this. And I freaking hate this. So like I feel like a fucking poser, a Star Wars fan poser now, because there's all these characters that are like have something to do with the cartoons, and now I'm like, Mm -hmm. God damn it, I feel like such a loser because I know these characters have been brought up in other Star Wars shows and stuff, and I don't know what's going on. So I need to ask you these questions. Oh, but geez. before we get into it, obviously, spoilers here. If that's your warning. Yep. If you haven't watched The Mandalorian Chapter 11 or 12, go do that and then come back to us.
3: Okay, let's. Uh, I think we should start. So 11 is the heiress. Um, um, this is the part two, kind of, of the Frog Lady episode.
2: Uh, so uh (laughs) she's barely in it in this one but yeah they but key like it it
3: it it closes this kind of story for the previous episode i think so did it for you let's let's resolve this right now did it how they handled it did it help you get past that he's eating the eggs
2: oh no not at all okay like to be completely honest everything he does now is just like i'm like oh what a what a freaking bratty. You know, kid. he is like, a baby. Look at this. He's a fifty-year-old baby. The weird okay, so that's one thing I did want to talk about, but wait, I think that's chapter twelve. I'm jumping ahead here. Okay. So Careful. let's stick to eleven. So he lands on this new planet. Which is great. Where he's he's going to um basically deliver or drop off the the frog lady. To her husband. And, and he's going to go give lift. him
3: info on where he can find Mandalorians yes. on this planet. First of all, that ADAT crane thing in the water. Fantastic. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> that whole scene. Just the animation with them lifting the ship out of the water and mm-hmm. beautiful stuff. And um, all so, the Mon Calamari there. And yeah, good times. It's
2: so funny to me that every, every single planet within the Star Wars galaxy is just one temperature, one climate. So like, you know, in the prequels you go to Camino and it's just a planet that rains all the time. You go to Tatooine and the entire planet is a desert. Funny that you started and with Camino. No
3: one no one starts with Camino. <laughs> <laughs> well I was trying to go to like the
2: extreme climate yeah, zones. Yeah, yeah. And like you go to Hoth, it's all ice, you know, but um on Earth we have all of these different climate zones, you know, and it's one planet, so it's just odd to me that well, but we don't necessarily entire planet. Is, we don't see
3: the whole planet. There could be other parts of it that we don't know. I mean, it, to me, it makes well, sense. We're
2: definitely led to believe that. But it's, look, uh,
3: anytime anything's sort of deserty, like um, so, like the planet that they're on um, in the first the first episode, where where Baby Yoda is, or whatever. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's
2: two of those, right? The one where they meet Nick Nolte, and then the one where yeah, yeah, um yeah. And it's hard to
3: tell uh, the difference. Why? Because the environments look so similar, right? Mm-hmm. If it looks slightly desert, they were like, oh, is it Tatooine? You know, so, right. and like, just like Ray being on Jakku, we're like, well, that just looks like Tatooine again. Um, yeah. So that's what I mean. That's why they have to do it like that because otherwise everyone's like, it's the same planet. So I think it has to be distinct like that. Uh, other than what we haven't seen a lot of, which is strange to me at this point, is uh, Coruscant seems to be the only sort of city planet. They do but, mention
2: it yes, uh, a handful yes. of times, actually. But, but we they don't see a lot of city there. planets.
3: Like, they're rarely in cities. I guess that graffiti one at the first episode right, was kind of right. city-ish. And that felt very much like a set. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a yeah. funny one too um, but let's it's, get to the heart of the story for this okay. one because we're going to run out of time faster uh, what did you think of this this overall story so basically it's like he, he goes to he's tricked into being taken to to find these Mandalorians and then they get kind of um, sabotage him but then he's rescued by the very Mandalorians he's looking for
2: right so let me this is where I have to start asking questions so okay. a big part of this Mandalorian lore is the not removing your helmet. Like mm-hmm. if you remove your helmet, you're no longer Mandalorian or you're like you're not part of their their cult or whatever you want to call it.
3: According to the Mandalorian, yes.
2: Right. So in the Clone Wars series, we are introduced to a lot of Mandalorians Mandalors. who <laughs> They've removed their helmet like pretty casually, right? Mm-hmm. So what's do you can you she, talk she, to me about the difference here?
3: She explained that and I don't have all the uh, facts in front of me here, but she said what he what he's uh, ascribing to there is an old sort of crazy person's right. <laughs> uh, sect. So it's like a
2: traditionalist is well, what no, I think she said more something like that.
3: Cultish. She she made it sound more extreme.
2: Well, that I think it's that um, she, I feel like she did say traditionalist, but with that, it's like a you're taking it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. So like these mm-hmm. you're misinterpreting and not evolving with the Mandalorians over the years. You're kind of clinging on to these early iteration of whatever this Mandalorian, I don't know, group believes to be. So true. that's
3: that's better. And this bodes well, because he might be able to take this helmet off. Pretty soon here, which would kind of help, I think, at this point. So yeah, so uh, this character uh, was which from is the my cartoons. next question. Yeah,
2: where like I know that she's supposed to be a big deal. And it's like, oh my god, it's freaking Bo-Katan in human form, <laughs> and I'm si- like, I know that it that when as soon as she reveals the helmet, like I know that's supposed to be a character. Mm-hmm. And I have to do after I watch the episode, I got to do backtrack. I'm like, oh, it's a Clone Wars thing. But it's like when you were watching this, did you get that like excitement? Like, oh, my God, it's Bo-Katan. So I do a lot of reading about Star
3: Wars now, like Clone Wars. I didn't watch all of the all of the episodes. I watched quite a bit of them and kind of skipped around there. So I I knew this character, but uh, I'm not like fanboy about the cartoons, really. So I don't understand sort of the excitement of seeing this character. Like I get the um, Ahsoka Tano more so than I do mm-hmm. this character. I think people just like this character. Um, so, no, I don't, I didn't, it didn't excite me that, you know, I recognized her like, oh, this is that character, right. but I didn't, my first thought wasn't like, oh, thank God, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. So. Um,
2: All right. So let's, let's jump forward. Um, I will to- say
3: on that it's the strength of the show that it's really paying off for the hardcore Star Wars fans that watch absolutely everything, and then well, go on Twitter and trash it uh, and and gold <laughs> Disney about every move they've made, and then they come back and they watch absolutely everything.
2: I'm so like now I'm like at odds with myself. Like, do I invest like? a month of my life to watching all of Clone Wars so and I all of Rebels and all of this stuff. That would be something fun
3: to do in the off seasons when Mandalorian ends and then you can kind of see how important it is that we know their story mm-hmm. and i have no doubt that whatever happened in clone wars and, and rebels is going to be canon because feloni's involved with everything and he won't right. just discard stuff or or say like well let's just change it so i, I it, you know maybe by the end of this we'll see how important it is to know the history of mandalore and what happened and then you can kind of go back and maybe then just pick the mandalorian episodes that um you know make sense for this one because i don't know i there's so much in clone wars i think that's filler that yeah i don't know that i would recommend the entire series so
2: yeah and i tried to like kind of cherry pick episodes yeah but it's hard because even if you were to go on to like i went specifically to the darth maul story arc right there's a lot going on before that kind mm-hmm. of influences that so it's even if you were to go into a specific arc it's not as powerful because there's a lot of like little missing pieces So the story,
3: this is where it's I like reading uh, the recaps uh, after watching the Mm -hmm. episodes, because uh, obviously these writers watch everything they know where it's coming from and then they can kind of tell you and then you can see if it's like, well, that sounds interesting. I'll go find that as opposed to Mm -hmm. uh, just trying to figure it out on your own, because I I will say there was a lot in these two episodes where you really had to pay attention uh, or you missed it or you didn't get it Uh because you just didn't know. So,
2: speaking of one thing, you, so okay, fast forward, they go onto this ship that has a bunch of weapons. Right. Uh Bo Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bo-Katan is after the dark saber that Moff Gideon has at the end of season 1, right? Right, right, right. The dark And that dark that ties back into another piece from the Clone Wars.
3: That's her whole character and 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 there are so you can look online very quickly and see like mm. who's held the that um, dark weapon. saber. and Yeah. yeah. And, like what it represents and stuff. So uh, I don't know how much you need to know for this one. Cause even now, I mean, I think
2: that's on, enough, you know, she has history the dis- with the weapon and she's after it currently, but it depends on what right. the
3: story goes further into the Mandalore history. Or mm-hmm. is it just baby Yoda? Cause if it, you know, we're supposed to get a Sokotano, Tano, I believe next week. Um, and, and that could just take us into a completely different area. I don't think it's the end of the Mandalore stuff. But well, it that, might not that's be so th- key to this this series.
2: Yeah, that's another thing that it kind of annoys me. So it's fun in some instances. We talked about this with season one. They had a lot of seeds that they were just planting. Yeah, and who knows if and when they would turn into anything else. Blue um, guy so came back. Yeah, the, <laughs> nobody <laughs> was waiting for that at <laughs> all. Which is Horatio like why? Stands, yeah. yeah, why? That's great. <laughs> they had. Um, the in the the first episode no yeah so the first one of season two the cliffhanger was potentially a clone or boba fett right right? right right and then the the end of this one uh bo-katan says oh go to this planet and there you'll find the jedi ahsoka ahsoka tano right right um do you feel like they're just going to keep Leading us on with these big cliffhanger teasers.
3: Uh, I think Ahsoka will will pay off. I I have a feeling her... uh, So to me, I'm looking at it now as like Boba Fett will probably come on again at the end of this season to spin Mm -hmm. him off into the show or to set up the show. Uh, that they're doing with him, um, and I think Ahsoka probably they might even be considering an Ahsoka show. I bet as well, and she could just be coming in here to do her little part and then spin off. Maybe Baby Yoda gets spun off into an Ahsoka and Yoda no. show. <laughs> but I mean, it would make more sense for the for Boba Fett, or uh, for the Mandalorian to uh, part with Baby Yoda, right? Like it's, it's right. going to be almost silly, like a Mister Mom kind of thing. Um, yeah, if we haven't gotten there already. Um, so so that, that we'll see.
2: Let, that's the that was the basically the end of chapter eleven. The big reveal was that name and what planet Ahsoka's currently on. Right. Um, right. So let's jump into chapter twelve here. The next episode, the siege. I want. Okay. Here we go. How the how is Baby Yoda the all of season one yeah. is basically an infant, right?
3: Kinda. Yeah. Fifty years 50,
2: old. Fifty. Fifty years old. But, like, the motor skills and everything, it's just, it can lay down, it can sit, it can't really move, it can do some force stuff, but it's basically an infant. Now, we're assuming this is maybe a few weeks later, ah. he's suddenly aged. If he, a, if he was, let's give him benefit out, it took him 50 years to turn one in human years.
3: Okay, okay. But eh. then
2: over the course of a few weeks, now he's, like, a five, four or five-year-old kid. Or okay. he can listen to instructions. He's in the little this little crevice in the ship trying to like put wires together. That
3: is so how cute can, though. It's just how worth can you, it that it's so cute. Don't try to make how, sense of it. You're ruining it. How forever. can you
2: be an infant like this this week and then next week you're taking on instructions? Obviously, I mean he messes it up, but he's able to get far enough to hold the different wires in hand. Like I don't know that and then he goes into the classroom and is do like able to sit in a classroom setting. That's cute. See how cute he looked in this desk? I don't know. Come on. Just give in. Just give in. Yeah, but even the thing that he did in the classroom was like bully-ish. He's a baby. And let's let let, let's this
3: is racism on your part. Let me explain.
2: (laughs) Babyism?
3: (laughs) All we know is Yoda. Now Yoda does not rep we know nothing else about this race we we have no yoda can be a complete exception this could be a race of absolute dicks and yoda is the (laughs) exception and that's how he's slowly going to learn how to be Mm. look there was that moment in the last one where he's you know the frog lady's babysitting uh and she was happy to see him and i to me i'm like hey frog lady's not upset about the whole egg thing you could she doesn't know she knows she knows she was scared (laughs) she was holding those eggs afraid of him remember at the end of the last Mm. one um but did you see him playing with the baby in the water? He was so happy, and like he looked at the mom and. Oh. Yeah,
2: he he wasn't playing with that baby. He, he was, was trying. He was he waiting for the parents to turn their head so he could put that thing in his mouth. So let
3: me ask you this then: How come there's <laughs> only one baby?
2: Uh, they tried to. It's. Oh my god, you want me to talk about birds and the bees with you here? But I mean
3: it's frogs. Like he can just fertilize one that I don't mean to rush I him. Know. I don't mean to pressure <laughs> him, <but. laughs>
2: I mean to with each their h- own human procreation. There is it's a big numbers game. Well, you know, so they've been apart for
3: so long. I thought he'd have more in him.
2: I don't know. So to I'm speak. just maybe there's it's a similar thing. You just try really hard and maybe you only get one. Do you think then
3: that those other eggs will eventually be fertilized or did they just do one baby? I don't know how that shit works. So maybe they didn't have
2: to have all the (laughs) eggs anyway. Maybe she knew like. Yeah, but it's a numbers game. So like the more you have, the better odds you have. But
3: maybe that's the only one. They're like, oh, we got it. This one's going to grow. And so we're good.
2: I don't know. Anyway. okay, weird thing to get off on (laughs) here.
3: So, we're continuing on this with this episode, and it's just very much like everyone's, he's always busy, right? I got this information for you, but first let's do this crazy task. This oh, yeah. time that, it pays off yeah. in a much bigger way than it has. Oh in the past. my,
2: this episode probably has like the juiciest bits in it. Yeah. Um, and I
3: feel like this is really jumping the story forward very dramatically Right? here.
2: Is this the name of the planet Navarro or Na- Nabarro, Navarro? Navarro? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, where Apollo Creed and Kara Dune are. He goes back to Navarro because his ship is, like, just falling apart. And very falcon.
3: Needs, it's even making, like, the failing falcon noises, yeah. you know? That Th- that's whoop 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 that's whoop whoop whoop. another thing
2: that I want to ask you about, the sound effects. Yeah. Um, there's one in particular that's, like, throws me back to a very particular moment. But um, Lance, so he yeah. goes back there and through, I don't know, he needs favor to get his ship fixed. So the favor is, all right, come help us do this one task, which happens to be... Uh, go to this old Im- imperial base of some sort, <laughs> right, 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 right. And they gotta like disarm it, basically. Or like, so they fixed shut it up the down. town.
3: They've like cleaned up the town, just like a western, yeah. right? It's a nice town. There's shops and people, and they drop him off at the school, which is ridiculous. Um, it's getting harder and harder for them to do these action things and have the baby with it. Wherever I go, he goes, except for this case and the last case. That's. Uh. Do you remember the? Um,
2: <laughs> My buddy, the the toy from like the eighties. Yeah, the doll. And the, the the theme song. My buddy,
3: my buddy, yeah. wherever I every go. T- he goes yeah.
2: <laughs> every time he says that. I'm just like, did they mean to rip that off? Of oh, that's the, so funny. The, the the that product.
3: But then he quickly um, leaves them, so it's even funnier, right? It's yeah. It's anyway, silly. Okay,
2: but, okay. So they they go to this old imperial. Base, which is supposed to be like non operational, and if anything, there's a couple random like straggler mm-hmm. troopers there, right? Uh, come to find out, it's like fully operational and just packed with troopers and different imperial forces. So they say it's a lab, it's a lab of some sort. It's very exciting because so- this
3: looks old school, this original trilogy, imperial. Um, oh, yeah, it's, totally. It's great, it has a lot of Death Star aspects to it, um, and and which that was the. Fun.
2: That's the one sound effect I wanted to see if you picked up on too when they make the blue guy go and shut down no. the yes <laughs> when <laughs> Obi-Wan had to do yes. the same thing on that like perimeter yeah. piece within the the first the first death star yeah I was like oh man I it's know. like it's like a little paying homage to that moment imperial
3: like, uh, stuff has no osha obviously because there's a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of problems with that not having a railing around that thing
2: oh i thought that was so so cool there's that, a lot like, of
3: that the land speeder they did like luke's total land speeder noise when he was driving mm-hmm. there and um obviously the speeder oh. bikes have been used a lot already
2: okay here's a, a little thing i noticed that I wanted to get your your feedback on, your comment on. Mm-hmm. So the first trilogy, yeah. it's, you know, every single race or species is just the same. So right. you look at the Tuscan right. radars, they all look identical. You look at Jawas, all look identical. You look at- Mon Calamari. Um, Mon Calamari, they all look identical. You look yeah. at like the Greedo people, they all look the same. So this one, uh, with this episode in particular, it opens up to Kara Dune basically wiping out those guys with the butt chins mm-hmm. um Honda Baba of, people or whatever they um, Walmart but they all States. look different,
3: kinda yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, like like you could tell, and then going back to the Mon Calamari people, like they were kind of different colors too. They didn't all have that like kind of orangish tint to them. Some of them are a little bit more red, kind mm-hmm. of brownish. Mm-hmm. I thought like. That makes so much more sense. Like, of course, they're not going to all look exactly the same like they used to. And then they took it even a step further. And the Land Speeder, like in my head, just because if you were to buy the Land Speeder toy, of course, it's going to be Luke's coloring. So you just kind of mm-hmm. think, like, oh, all Land Speeders are this like kind of rusted yeah, brown yeah. and red color. Um, but they had one in this episode, which was like a blue, like a beat up blue color yeah um which was fun to me it's like obviously just like you buy a car here you're gonna have your selection of different colors it's just a little thing that is like kind of expanding on this world in like a really subtle way
3: okay i agree i agree that's what the they've been very good about and i think that's why like favreau and feloni and those guys are are, they're such geeks about it that they know they're doing it right they're doing it mm-hmm. in a nice in a nice way, I think. Um, that makes it fun. So let's get to the heart of the story because I, yes. there's some confusion, I think, about what's happening here. Because when I watch it, I had to read about it because it went by so fast, and I was kind of panicking, trying to see. I can't. I can't <laughs> see in that glass. It's so foggy. So I, I have.
2: <laughs> I have like like theories. Yeah. And I like. I don't want to do the deep dive reads because I don't want to be like ruin a big reveal or something. Mm. But I want to hear your. Like, so this, these are my thoughts. I have two thoughts. Okay, is this connected to the Daisy Ridley trilogy? Uh, with that's Finn? yeah, and I, like, are these supposed to be the yes. pre Palpatines?
3: Yes, I think, I think they're actually pre Snokes, uh, which leads yeah, so to pre Palpatines. Yes,
2: yes, yes. So yes. that's what I was thinking. Are they this like they're last bridging, stragg- last stragglers within the empire? That, are trying to bring back the emperor and they're doing all these weird clone tests and he just happened to stumble across one of their labs.
3: Um, Have you ever gotten your haircut by somebody different and you don't like it and then you, you go to someone else to fix it? after (laughs) yes (laughs) yes that is what's happening here Mm. um like okay those the the new trilogy is kind of a mess and and you know obviously controversial for so many reasons uh and i feel like this this mandalorian which has gotten so much positive stuff is trying to sort of bridge the trilogies and and kind of make sense of that and, and and like make sense of a lot of this stuff that was left out in the new trilogy so i think i think we're seeing this would make more sense for how the new Republic or not the new Republic, but the um first, first order, order. Uh, comes to be without seeming like springing out of nowhere. If it is just this extension of the empire, there's sort of a, you know, an explanation for that. And the cloning thing has been going on then from the beginning. Right. Um, and so it just kind of, I think they're doing a lot of that to make sense. And that was kind of my thought when they were trying to get baby Yoda. Uh, but I wasn't sure if they were going to take it that uh, specific.
2: Do you, I like that. Their little nod to the metachlorians, like, the m we need blood with the m levels up higher. Like, yeah yeah <laughs>
3: exactly so i think it's it's addressing a lot of that which i i think is good right like it's not going to be again where they're saying we're abandoning things like oh we're just going to pretend like that didn't exist they are kind of giving it some umph, but um i don't know if that it'll fit I have skywalker f-
2: mixed, but, yeah. i have mixed feelings about this so i i liked it when it was just off on its own thing. And like we said, it existed in this time period that wasn't really connected and have like these hard ties Mm. to either one of the trilogies. I think it's really cool that they're trying to tell this story and give the, the newest trilogy a little bit more meaning and backstory. Right. But it's also a little, it could be a little dangerous. Like if you get too wrapped up in that storyline I don't know. It could muddy the waters a little bit. So well, I don't I think, know. It's, I think it's, it's fun nice, and exciting now, but it, it gives, just really depends how they it handle it.
3: Give some importance to what's happening though. Um, like in a bigger, in a bigger sense. So um, because otherwise I'm not sure what else in the star Wars universe would, would make sense without sort of, especially because it's not, if this were post uh, rise of Skywalker, that's different uh, because we're not heading towards something specific. Um, mm-hmm. There no doubt. This has to, I mean, it doesn't have to specifically, but the events are are leading in that direction time-wise. So, you know, we could start, depending on how far they go and how far they jump, we could start seeing more of that. But I I think we won't see characters, per se, from uh, the new trilogy, like specific characters. Like, I don't think Poe Dameron's going to be showing up or anything like that. But I think they're going to probably lead right up to to a lot of mm. a lot of the stuff without being that specific. I will say they are getting the imperial feeling much better in this than they did in the new trilogy. Um this feels well, like the, old time empire. The new
2: trilogy it? was so like like over the top. Yeah, it was it was I don't know how to describe it. It was but, like to me it was almost like too polished. Mm. Like it was very very they were supposed to be, like, they come out of nowhere, but they have these huge numbers and, like, all this support, and they're ruling the galaxy again. Yeah. Whereas this definitely feels like... Scrappier. The, the, yeah, the remains of a fallen empire, which right. is exactly what it is. Right,
3: right. Um, I agree. I agree. So maybe there will be a nice explanation for that in here. I don't know. I, I think you can't divorce these shows completely... Uh, Especially with something like this, where it's Mandalorian and it's something we already know. Now, if they go and do Knights of the Old Republic, that's probably easier to make. The that's a split. Okay,
2: so I want to ask you that: Is are we ever going to see something that is like completely detached from the current, at least on screen stuff? So, like you know, Knights of the Old Republic it exists in books and comics and video games, right? so it's not attached to any of the major trilogies or tv shows are we going to see anything exist completely separate from these trilogies
3: um i think it won't be ever completely there will be familiar things but as far as Mm -hmm. stories i think we will get stories that are completely it's just not tangled with the skywalker saga in some way but i think they have to go that way slowly i think they like, I think with this new trilogy, especially, they tried too hard to say, like, don't look at the old stuff anymore. We're going new. Because I think that seemed to be their plan, right? Like, everything's going to be yeah. after this trilogy, not not before or during the previous ones. Uh, so we're going to kill off everything you love. Han, Luke, and Leia dead. Um, <laughs> you know, there was no need to do that. I, I just didn't think they had to do that. And I think people sort of reacted, you know, accordingly. Mm-hmm. So I think they just want to take baby steps away from this uh, and eventually we will get it because we're starting to see what we kind of like and what we don't like as far as, you know, uh, familiar things and new things and and that. And I think they just have to go slowly in that direction before they can just say brand new stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But the language will be the same with Jedi and, and all that Sith and stuff. Um, yeah,
2: I do I do like with the prequels the like the amount of Jedi that they had. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the original trilogy it was really just Obi yeah, they were gone and by Luke. Then. Yeah. Um so it's fun to s- I liked seeing them kind of everywhere. So it would be fun to see uh, Knights of the Old Republic like even before the original or the the prequel trilogy like when they were really ruling the galaxy. Yeah. but. Who knows if we'll ever make it to- i mean
3: now the the original films thanks to this new trilogy it really is the the palpatine saga it's not really <laughs> the skywalker saga right. so yeah. um yeah that kind of changes it but i you know i so far with mandalorian i'm just so happy with what they've done i will say these past few episodes are um cheesy in a star wars way which is good mm. i i do kind of want them to tighten up a little bit like go a little more serious for a few of these because it is getting a little cutesy with a lot of and i i love it i think it's adorable but um now that we're getting more of this uh, the the villain coming to i want that to be treated very seriously um i don't want it to be jokey or campy or anything like that so mm-hmm. um fingers fingers crossed so far <laughs> all
2: right so here's the last thing that i will sh- or last thought i had which was my other theory If they aren't Palpatines or Snoke's or you know in that realm cloning, right, 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 are they going back to traditional cloning? And are these going to be so? At the end of the episode, you see Moff Gideon surrounded by these new trooper uniforms. Were those? Are is he trying to build a new clone army and fill those uniforms with these new clones? That was the other thought. I
3: don't know the answer. I, we don't know the answer to that yet. There is a right. lot of theories on it. Um, and I don't know. This is expanded universe stuff now. There's a, there's a Sith trooper um, that was in the expanded universe and people are talking about it like that. Like they are clones, but with the force kind of like not, not Jedi, right, force, which is why they needed the, the uh, blood. Right. Right, yeah. right. So it's a more, I don't know, it's like higher level trooper. Um, so I think, I think we're getting a mix of everything here probably. Uh, but people were saying that that looked like Snoke in the tank. And I didn't, I couldn't see it clear enough to make that claim.
2: Did you go back and pause it? Uh, I did, but I,
3: it's so foggy. I, I think because there's like a guy, it looks like his head has that kind of split right. like Snoke. I think that must be what they're going off of. Um, the other controversy for this episode, did you, I don't know if you've been reading it. There's a dude, you can see a dude in the background.
2: Oh, I think, wasn't that in uh, the, the the one with Bo-Katan or was it this past one? It was this past one where they're oh, all I saw around. what you're talking about. It's yeah, just like yeah. a sound guy or something. Did you <laughs> yeah. see it when you were <laughs> watching didn't. them? No, 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 no. no I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't either. I saw it, like all the memes and stuff, right, but I did right, not right. see it actually happen.
3: Right. So another funny Star Wars bit of Star Wars history, right? That's gonna be more memorable than anything else. <laughs> oh man. What did you do think you, of these episodes though in general? These these last do you, two.
2: Well do you think that somebody's gonna get fired over that? Or is that like a We'll just, uh we all make mistakes and let's fix it. Things. I'm sure there's
3: some explanation. Yeah, I don't think they'll get fired over that. <laughs>
2: They're probably like, know, that man. wasn't That's supposed to be the big... shot,
3: you know. Like, that wasn't supposed to be the shot they were using or they were going to go tight and they didn't and they wanted that. But still, I'm like, they could just digitally remove that at this right. point. Right, well, somebody <laughs>
2: had to have been editing this yeah, and like and didn't a catch producer it. watching it. Like, right. yeah, somebody didn't catch it.
3: Watch though. They'll make that a whole, there's going to be a spinoff movie on that guy. <laughs> I
2: saw a meme like they made an action figure yeah. out of that yeah. guy and he's just it's like his legs and um upper yeah. body cut off by the wall. It's kind um, of fun though. Yeah, no, I'm right with you with these episodes. So, like I said earlier on, I love that there's like more substance to these episodes and it's definitely progressing the story. They do this with a lot of series uh where you get an episode but the story doesn't progress until like mm-hmm. it just progresses by the cliffhangers right, right Right. which is okay and then you know you have the season or series yeah season finales either the last episode or last two episodes you get kind of the payoff mm-hmm. i get that and part of me is okay with it but i also would like show us what what's going on with boba fett if you're gonna tease us show us what's going on with ahsoka like because it's only eight episodes each season, don't unnecessarily drag it on. Like Mm. use the eight episodes and make them tight and like really get the most out of every minute. But overall, I'm pleased with the, the, the last two episodes. I'm right with you. I think that it is kind of towing the line of becoming a little bit too campy Mm -hmm. and too like fun in certain moments. Um, but yeah, overall it's, these last two have been pretty good.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there, there are great moments in in all of these things, but, um, yeah, we'll just have to, we'll have to see. I think the Ahsoka one is good because I feel like this character one being sort of a fan favorite, but it's also going to uh, sort of move the story forward. Whereas Boba Fett might be a sidetrack. Um, you know, like if they go too far into him, we don't really need to know too much about him. Um, unless, the story you know deems that for some reason but um so i'm hoping that this starts now that we're talking about jedi and, and getting a bigger picture like i don't know why i i'm kind of confused about why he has to go to jedi is it just for protection or you know I, i'm not quite sure why the jedi hold the the key to baby yoda
2: yeah like is that so what he, they
3: mean by his kind as opposed to a race of yodas they mean he's a jedi
2: well, so his original guild, who had the like their leader mm-hmm. was the the weapons right, wielder right. sort of lady. She said to go to his find other Mandalorians and then
3: um, I return don't know, him, like, return him to his
2: right. But then why we? This is something that has yet to be answered. Is why was he looking for Mandalorians specifically, and then why the, the Mandalorians he finds are they is are they pushing him to a Jedi?
3: Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, I don't know. I keep wondering if I'm missing something. Like, did I miss a line
2: somewhere? I don't think that- <laughs> so. I mean, we're supposed to all just go with it, which, I mean, yeah. it's fine. It's all going to wrap itself up eventually. But it is sort of, like, it's not really answered. It's just we're supposed to go with it and be cool with it.
3: And this is quite a ways off for Ahsoka. I'm not sure what the timeline is for the end of Clone Well, Wars. if she was,
2: like, what, a teenager in the... The Clone Wars, right? So this yeah, is like but she, it was twenty years for, later.
3: Yeah, so that's why I'm not sure what her like if how much we know about yeah what she's been doing in the meantime.
2: Or I'm sure that's a Google search too.
3: Because they kind of sent her off at the end of Rebels, I believe, in, in quite a dramatic way. Uh, so oh, was she in,
2: had a big role in that one too. Yeah,
3: they brought her into Rebels up to the very end of that series. So. Um, I don't know if we're going to get a lot of that sort of explained afterwards. I don't know. Maybe we'll see more cartoon characters coming into this, Mm. like um, in in older forms or or things like that. But um, we'll see. We'll see. Oh,
2: okay. This is the last thing. Then we'll wrap up. Okay. Did Obi-Wan have any sort of relationship with Bo-Katan?
3: Yes, I believe he did. And I can't... I would have to research that to say exactly. I thought it was like...
2: um, I know he was... He had some sort of like a romantic-y kind of relationship with somebody on mandalore right like it was the queen or like the supposed queen or something
3: um i'd have to I look was, it up yeah so i, I was don't think
2: oh i can't i don't know i'm all over the place because i didn't watch these things
3: um but he she was the leader of the of on mandalore right so i don't know i have to I, I forgot a lot of it because it didn't seem important at the time. Right. And so now why, suddenly it's that's important. That's why I to totally
2: like wrote it off. I'm like, oh, it's just like exists in its own thing. It's a cartoon. It's yeah. Well, I they did talk about this
3: off. with Ray for a while. People were saying, well, it could be this. And, you know, how they were saying, oh, maybe she's an offspring of Obi-Wan um, or something mm-hmm. like that. So there was more talk about what his past was and, and stuff, too, though they're not supposed to have children. Right. Or, or be in love. Um, right. I guess it I
2: guess it happens. Well, there's Luke and Leia.
3: Right. Well, not Luke, but yeah. Uh, Anakin. <laughs>
2: right. Well, I mean, they they are the, the result. Of yes. And see, that. that
3: didn't work out good for anybody. Right. That, mm. <laughs> the whole universe paid for that mistake. <laughs> so. All right. So I think we're going to get a lot in this next episode. Very excited about what we're going to see in this next one. Um, and uh, yeah, because I think the next one is supposed to be a very long one, too. Another like hour
2: one, so oh nice yeah we'll see we'll see oh did you see God okay last last thing mm. they they're letting everybody just direct these things the last episode was directed by yes Carl Weathers I don't know his, yes I just want to call him Apollo <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah I um yeah interesting interesting these new directors <laughs> I I don't know we're, we're trying to get um, yeah <laughs> we'll see some of it. Uh, yeah, some of it's a little off for me. And again, so same for first season. There were a few things that were a little off for me. And so it's not like mm-hmm. it's making me dislike the show. I, like I said, I just want to see it kind of tighten up in, in some cases. Um, Stormtroopers, yeah. you know, they continue to be very bad shots. Uh, we got another mm-hmm. trench thing with TIE fighters, least- you know, that same kind of battle. And out of the blue, he comes and he made it back very quick. And they fixed that ship fast.
2: Well, he <laughs> yeah. had his best people on it. He did. He did. He got <laughs> Although his best person yeah. was a freaking mole or yeah. whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Son of a bitch.
3: So, we'll see. I'm I'm excited that it's going in this direction actually, but um we'll see how it how it unfolds. I feel like we're going we're we're heading already quickly to a very um just a cliffhanger episode again, you know? Like here's the characters you love, but it's not giving away any more to the story. Uh, yeah, they're
2: because it's Ahsoka Tano is played by such a big-name actress, mm-hmm. it, I feel like they have to give her a lot of screen time or, at the very least, her own spinoff. So yeah. you could be right where this is like just the introduction of the character, but they wouldn't sign such a big name to a character that's going to have a minor role.
3: Uh, you never know. You never know. I mean, I, I imagine they have bigger plans for it, and I imagine that it did weigh on them that if they cast that character in this, they're mm-hmm. stuck with that character pro- that that person right like right. we're gonna say this is the character now so yeah I'm, I'm sure there's there's bigger plans for it um but we'll see we'll see again i i still can't i can't picture a satisfactory ending for this series so that's good so far i'm not saying like ah oh, we know what's gonna happen right so, yeah. yeah so good anyway
2: all righty that's that's enough for today yes um, long episode uh, oh very long if you've made it through the whole thing thank you so much for listening uh we do appreciate it but that is it for today thanks again thank you so much for listening we (laughs) will see you next time see you later
0: buddy from play school
3: my buddy my buddy wherever i go he goes